As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, automation, robotics, business, and more. My name is Nick Frank. I'm one of the owners of Frank Brothers Guitar Company, and I'm joined by my co-host and pal, Aaron Goff of Goff Custom Knives. I'm very up? happy to be here. I don't I don't know if I'm your pal, though. What? Don't, don't get chummy over there, bud. Well, I mean, like everyone, we, we have a long-distance relationship or have had a long-distance relationship for the past two years <laughs> yes that is very true i've seen you twice two to three times uh, yeah two two to three times yeah <laughs> it always, it always ends up in 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 blows and fisticuffs yes yes that's okay though some friendships just work that way <laughs> uh you know i'm still at the shop as you can hear I, I did. I heard your screw compressor fire up there for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it has impeccable timing. <laughs> That's fine. I actually, I can't really. About every episode. <laughs> I could turn actually, it off, I guess. Honestly, when it just starts up, you can hear it for a second, but right now I can't hear it. Ah, okay. Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, what's up with me? I've been doing inventory, which... Ooh is not fun just is <laughs> what it is yes i'm not sexy but necessary yeah so we have it's just every time i go do inventory i'm like man we have so many like skews so many parts so many options yeah yeah and it's like it makes every time we're like man we need to cut some of these options and then people keep <laughs> asking for them and then 
you know, and or asking for more options you don't even have yet. Yeah, totally. Like we have a quadrillion different ways you can spec these guitars out. Right. I and actually is some of the stuff like <laughs> you should you should uh, count it up. I did that with my knives at one point. It was very entertaining. Um, mm. Is some of the stuff you know stuff that you could transition to like buying when you get an order rather than keeping it in stock? That has been what we're we've been doing, but you you know we're still not so. It's kind of like a full time job. We we're still not so organized that we don't miss something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We are still are like oh shit, like we've got to scramble to uh, to order, you know, I don't know, some some locking tuners or some random thing that we don't usually stock. And we have some, you know, pretty standard items that, that you know, we like that we keep in stock and that we kind of right. suggest to customers because they're good. But uh, yeah, every right. inevitably we'll be like, oh man, this guitar's got to ship out next week and we don't have the pickups. And then <laughs> right. we got to like... <laughs> you know, scramble anyway. So it just makes, it makes inventory inventorying, uh, complex. Right. That's fair. Challenging. How many uh, millions of dollars worth of, uh, pickups do you have? <laughs> we actually have very low stock of pickups, which partly oh, is because we're, tr- yeah, we're trying to run lean and pickups are super expensive and right. partly because there's, it takes them longer to get to us. Um, so by the time right. we, we get them, they're like ready to go. The guitar is ready to go. Uh, right. So we, we do need to start ordering them. Like what we started doing is setting like a two week de- deadline after the guitar has been ordered and we started ordering the parts for it or at least assigning them. So we've got racks or shelving with cardboard mm-hmm. bins. You have a similar setup for some, some inventory stuff. We've got cardboard bins that we, we got from Uline. <laughs> And we put their customers stickers. So the customer gets like a a page and they have like 24 stickers on it with their name, like where they're from, their serial number, um, an inspirational quote. No, Um, (laughs) but just all this information and those stickers go on their parts bin. They go on certain parts. They go on like their, the, the body, the neck, a couple different places. They follow along the guitar along, um, right? Fretboard and um, yeah. So, anyways, they they get this box with the stickers on it and or their sticker on it, and then we we load it with anything that we have in inventory, right. and then we order everything else. But do you we, have like a checklist that. that goes on the box or something too? Like, oh, we're checking off the the pots, we're checking off the tuners, we're checking off the pickups. So, that's something we just added, and it's not to in the it's not in the box. It's in, on the traveler. So we have each c- c- um, customer also gets a clipboard that has right. their spec list, their um, invoice, parts list, and then also like some of the processes that has to be have to be done. So there's a page like a checklist for woodwork, um, pre finish, finish assembly, or you know. Yep. So it's like whoever's working on it can go and check off. I did this. I did this. I did this. It's a little refresher. If you've like, you're like, what's my next step here? Or it says like, you know, you've got to, we're at the neck carve stage. You can reference that in that, in that woodwork section, it'll say, Oh, it's getting like a 59 style carve. So it's a handy little thing that travels around with the, with the guitar. 
Uh, cool. But people want to update their specs sometimes. So yeah, we yeah, also yeah. have it on, we have um, a, a Trello board up on a computer or on a TV screen in here. And so if, if the specs do get updated, we will print them. If we're on the ball, we'll print the, the new spec list and, and attach it to the traveler or yep. cross out the old one. But then having the TV, there's also a good little cross reference just in case. It's funny how like, you know, you can come, you can spend all this time coming up with like a beautiful process and, you know, have all the things and, and then, yeah, people will be like, actually, I want to change. And then you're like, oh, you know, that doesn't happen every time. It only happens one in 10 or something. Mm-hmm. So that's just enough to like potentially throw you out. Like you forget to update it and then oh, you're making the wrong parts or something, you know. We deal with this all the time. It's like with with any changes to the specs, it, it can be confusing. Um, yeah. And so that's how the system has kind of been uh, developed in order to like minimize those mistakes. But then also like anytime right. there's something unusual, custom, like um, something small, like it'd be like, oh, I want, I want like binding, but I, I don't want like the perfling. Or, like, so, I don't know some little change and it's like, Oh, we don't have a place to make that a note for that even. And we don't think to look right. for that. So it's like, sometimes it right. just gets done anyways. And now you've made a mistake, but yeah, it can, yeah, it can yeah, get yeah. confusing. And now, you know, it's like you're, you, we've got like 40 guitars going at, at right now or 30 guitars going. It's like compounded. Amazing. And employees yeah. and chaos. Um, yeah. It can, it feels like a bit of control chaos. Yeah, I mean, I think every business does until you've been doing it long enough to find every little road bump and Mm -hmm. you've hit those road bumps enough that they were painful enough to make you, you know, iron out every, a process for every single little thing. Totally. Yeah. I I just think like this, that aspect of running a business is a full-time job. It really is. And it's kind of frustrating because I feel like every business has to like relearn stuff from scratch you know it's i was thinking about this the other day i feel like with the human race in general there's a lot of like knowledge that just ends up getting rediscovered by every person every generation every business you know oh yeah um that's why it's good to ask questions of other people the people that have been doing it a long time because it's like yep no need sometimes some mistakes you don't need to learn the hard way well, but I mean, part of the issue with that is like, how do you even know what questions to ask if you don't even know that problem exists? You know, I, I think working in somebody else's business yeah. and like learning it from the inside is is very that's effective. In, that's yeah. invaluable. I mean, we started this business pretty young, so we didn't like I hadn't worked in in manufacturing at all. So this all right. was we just had to figure it out. Um, yeah. So anyways, that's what yeah, I, I've been doing. Stuff. Uh, I haven't been working on anything but that. Oh, wow. Which For two sucks. weeks? No, 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 no. I started it yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, it's two weeks since we talked, though. <laughs> last Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, since last. I, I've been doing some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Earning your um, earning your pay. I, uh, yeah. I, what did I do? Oh, um, ordered some new tools or some new tool holders. Um, and did you go with ER collet chucks or what did you go? Yeah. With? Yeah. I went with, uh, Technics. yeah, it makes sense for you guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like to think fancy. Oh, you went with Technics. 
Yeah. And you went with Technics because Marital didn't have the gauge lengths that you want, right? Yeah, I think I'm going to I think I what I'm going to start doing is for 8th inch and quarter inch shank, I'll start mm-hmm. buying the Mari tool um ER16 stuff. Right. Cuz they have a two and a half inch gauge length. Um right. I mean I'm curious about these the these Technics tool holders. I mean, one thing about them, Technics, you know, like most of the collets are Technics that I've ever used. Um, right. and buying them from Triumph, they the delivery is slow. I ordered these like, I don't know, like last Friday maybe, and I still mm. don't have them. Um, right. we've gotten spoiled with how fast stuff is, eh? Yeah. Did I say slow? I guess that's not that slow. I should give them no. a break. Um, yeah. How long do people wait for one of your guitars, there, buddy? Oh. <laughs> uh, so if we get like longer though, today, I... will I get one next Monday? <laughs> if you have uh, a fifty percent deposit, I'll get you one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, get sorry, November. No, no. You know what? It was. Um... This is unnecessary information, but I I need to vindicate Absolutely. myself. Um... <laughs> okay, it was. Friday, November 19th. So it was not last Friday, but the Friday before. Right. Okay. Yeah. Two weeks is kind of long. Kind of long. Um, but I get net 30 terms, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of nice, but not necessary. I hate terms, man. That's what credit cards are for. Well, you could get net 30 terms and then put it on your credit card and then get yes, another 30 days. That. Yeah, that's true. But it's, uh, I mean, we try to keep an eye on the cash flow, but I don't want to have to be thinking that way because, right. you know, it's like there's it's one thing to take advantage of the system that's in place. Another thing to like re- re- desperately rely on it. I need 60 days you know, to pay <laughs> yeah, this bill. Yeah, yeah. That's not great. Uh, but I mean, if you do, I just hate having to, to think it. about it more than once. I place the order. I pay for it. I'm done. I move on, you know, totally. I mean, it's I, I, I've become addicted to buy online like ships that day or next day. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sort of the other system kind of is not seeming as bad as it was to me before. You know, I guess once you get hooked up with a company like triumph tools or whoever, um, Duramil, that's who I bought some other stuff off of there. Another local supplier of Kenna metal stuff. It's like, and then it becomes, it it becomes pretty easy to order from them. Um, Oh yeah, for sure. I'm just, I'm, I, I get very frustrated with systems that aren't optimized and, and ordering from distributors very much feels unoptimized, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, the price is good on these though, these tool holders. Oh yeah. Yeah. How much did you end up paying for them? They're 140 Canadian each. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And the, nice. the call-outs are 23 bucks Canadian. Right. So I did actually end up, um, Frank at Maritool actually emailed me about some unrelated stuff. And I ended up asking him about the um, 1.8 and 2.5 inch gauge length ER25 holders. And he said that basically they are coming back. They just don't have stock of them. So they have taken them off the website to stop people from like ordering them and getting frustrated. True. Um, I should probably give him feedback that there should be a button. It should still be there and there should just be no order button or something. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. out of stock. 
because yeah as you said like it creates a confusion you think like that they've discontinued these holders and you start looking other places for them well so um i recently was on um pearson work holdings website because i i really want to buy that vac watch mm, uh yep. and they removed it from their website and i was like very confused and i was like is this like has it been discontinued anyway so i emailed him i emailed pearson work holding and jay pearson got right back to me like pretty quick and said that yep. they just are having supply issues with the microchip i guess or something in it right so okay. it will be it will be coming back um so i mean you there's an answer out there you just have to find it if you're willing to to if you really want to buy it you can find yeah, out the yeah. answer I also, I emailed Jay, um, yeah, quite a while back. I was asking whether or not there were any places that you could drill through the vacuum pallet base in order to bolt it down rather than using toe clamps. And yeah, he got back to me within like 20 minutes with like a blueprint. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I wish I could be like that. Uh, I don't, I, I, I I'm do down it. to, okay, this is, one of these emails is from me. I'm down to four <laughs> emails. I emailed myself and nice. one's from my wife. I'm down to two business emails. Nice. Yeah, inbox. I tend to keep my inbox. I try to keep it fairly empty, less than 30 emails. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. But but my, yeah, my response time is not the fastest. Um, it's usually a couple of days. Yeah, ours, we try to get back to people within 24 hours. It's like the policy we want to have. But right. Tim Tim does most of the uh, client interaction um, th through email, and one of the problems is like get like a bunch of emails from customers, which is mm -hmm. great. But you it take we we're really slow email emailers, um, right. and so we'll like you know he'll craft a response for each one of these customers, send it, and then and then immediately they re they respond. And now you've got to craft another right. response. So it's like, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna clear my inbox and email all these people back. It's like you've got, you're still having a conversation. It's ongoing. Yeah, and one of the issues too is if you respond instantly, it makes it feel like you're not busy. Very easy, and maybe a lot of them <laughs> should be sent. Ah, you know? yes, yeah, so. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it's more about just like focus. Like I tend to, when emails come in, I tend to triage them really quickly. I just glance at them. Mm -hmm. If it's something super important, I get back to them like immediately. You know, people get responses to me within like five minutes or something. But right. if it's not important, then, you know, I'll, I'll get to it when I have the, the brain space to do so, you know? I used to work for a guy who his tactic to tackling emails was he wouldn't touch them he wouldn't do any emailing until the afternoon i don't know what time it was like one right. or two so his whole morning was dedicated to just work focused right. work uh which i thought was interesting i mean he i think he was at, at that higher up position and he wasn't sales so yeah right you know if you're in sales you probably want to get to those emails right away but uh, it's a, it's an interesting way to do it. I mean, even if you know you're a one man business, right? So you're you your sales and your production and your office administration, your customer your HR, customer yeah. support. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you're the janitor. Yeah, I, very much so. <laughs> so you you know if 
if that's a, you know, that could be a, a good way to do it. Yeah, I tend to just, I tend to be a bit more flexible than that. Just find whenever mm-hmm. I have a spot, you know, I just try to respond to a bunch of emails. But yeah, I'll be I the first I- to admit that I'm really bad at emails and Instagram. And, you know, I, I, I kind of think of it as like, it's something that I have to do, but it's not what I would like necessarily choose to do. Right. Some sense. people love communicating. Um, I'm, I'm bad at it. I'm not bad at it. Like, but I mean, you know, like we, we text <laughs> and I'm a bad yeah, texter. It'll be a day. It'll be like a day between when I send you a text and when I get one back and then I do the same thing to you. So our text conversations will span like a week. Yeah. So it's not a good way to communicate. And, but I just find that medium is a bad way to communicate in general. You know what? Like I actually don't instant mind messaging. It. Yeah, you know what? I don't mind it. I, I don't like the expectation that when you reach out to someone by a text or whatever, that they have to respond instantly. You sure. Know? Um, like one of my friends the other day sent me a text about something like completely unimportant. And then like five minutes later, he was like, question mark, question mark. And I was like, dude, chill. Like, mm-hmm. I'll get back to you at some point, you know? Yeah. Um, I have still tri- friends. I've, Don't worry about it. I've triaged your message and it's low on my list of yeah, important it's a, things. It's a one out of 10, so fuck <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like the, the problem is then you let that shit build up. Like, yes, you know, yeah. a bunch of people emailing, messaging, and then, you know, I get I mean, overwhelmed might be exaggerating, but it's like, ah, uh, now I've got like this huge list of people to respond to. Yeah, there's um, definitely a threshold you cross where you stop wanting to deal with the backlog. 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you just have to kind of try to keep it under that threshold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, some, I mean, and then then some people are just amazing at it. And you see these people who are really successfully, like, they're really good at Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. Part mm-hmm. It, it, you could you can post all you want, you can do as many stories or videos as you want, but the real way to be successful on Instagram is to, is to engage with people sure. and communicate. Uh, and I feel like, you know, that's, I take that, uh, you know, lesson and run with it because we'll post something and then just be like, ah, oh, fun. We, we, we've checked that off our list of things to do and right. then not like, you know, communicate with the people that are commenting and asking questions or messaging us. So, yeah, I try to only post when I'm actually excited about something, which makes that communication a bit easier, but then it does mean that it might be longer than it should be in between posts. Sure. Yeah. Because you know, that's coming uh, too. Um, Or at least for me. Uh, I mean, we post when we have, when we have time. I mean, that's funny. I, I may, maybe have said this on the show before, but, the busier we are, the slower it seems like we are doing in the, you know, social media right. Uh, right. lens through the social media lens. It's like, oh, these guys haven't posted in a while. It's because we've got like four guitars to post and we just haven't had a chance. And yep. I mean, I've, it's been exactly like that for me, too. Actually, the last couple of weeks, I've been like just absolutely smashed trying to get um knives like sanded and blasted and everything ready for dlc and Mm -hmm. i haven't yeah i haven't posted instagram in weeks i don't think yeah and you get into a production groove and like the last thing you want to do is like interrupt that to do something else and then yeah and then feel like you have to like you know check back with instagram every 10 minutes make sure you're answering people's questions and stuff oh yeah that can be i mean i find here it's it looks it's 
like the optics are bad in in um with our uh like staff when we're you know tim and i are both on our phones and maybe we're on instagram and it's like we're doing business stuff but it doesn't seem like it because we're on instagram right so like yeah and you have to be on on it every 10 minutes it's like it's uh just paint a phone case like bright pink and put business phone on there that right. that's a good well we we have um a voip uh like landline right and we hate it so we actually have an old cell phone we were like let's just let's just get ditch the voip and turn this into the you know shop cell phone right uh and then we could do that we could use that for social media uh and then it is a little bit more obvious it's actually a pretty good idea in that in that uh respect i'll give myself a pat on the back i'm not gonna paint it paint it bright pink oh damn no nice uh aged nitrocellulose finish mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah a sunburst there you go perfect I mean, I love pink guitars, so maybe I will paint it pink. But out of spite, because you suggested it. Yeah, I see. God damn it. Um, What about you? I've been yammering. Well, as I said, like, it's been the last couple of weeks have just been, yeah, like, you know, so I I might have mentioned a couple of times, my right arm is, like, kind of jacked up. Um, My elbow's giving me a lot of issues. So I've been kind of, like, putting off sandblasting and hand sanding to try and rest it and then... I just had to like bite the bullet and like get some work done, you know? Um, So yeah, the last couple of weeks has just been like crushing through hand sanding and um, sandblasting. I got a big batch of blades sent up to DLC, um, like the diamond coating on Friday. Yes. So yeah, that's going to come back. Uh, That covers all of my existing back orders and then like quite a few extras. Um, so I'm going to be, Great. I've been trying to work out how to do like sales before Christmas without stressing myself out. Cause if I just take pre-orders right now, then Ooh, yeah. inevitably there's going to be some problem or whatever. And I'm going to have like too many pre-orders and not enough blades, you know, and feel stressed. So I think what I'm going to do is just like do kind of like a maker's choice thing, like build them out and then post them as I finish them. Yeah. It's a great idea. Um, We're doing a similar thing. I don't know if they'll actually be ready by. Christmas, but um send a picture of it <laughs> yeah exactly this is what your guitar will look like uh but yeah like that was the idea is somebody inevitably is gonna give us a ring and say what well, do you have anything in stock ready by right. the 25th <laughs> right. so we have to get some customer guitars done first though nice yeah so i've just been kind of crushing through that and then this week um you know because because those blades are off to DLC, I can't like send another batch to DLC between now and Christmas. It's just not going to, the timeline doesn't work out. Sure. So I've just been focusing on keeping the machines running, machining blades, um, machining all of the handle scales for the upcoming knives. Like, so all of my back orders and stuff. Sweet. Ready so that when I get the blades back, I can just crush through assembly. Um, and then I actually like gave myself a little bit of kind of Aaron time. You know, so have some What's free that? time. Yeah, I know, right? So I've been working on a project that I've been wanting to work on for so long, and I'm super excited about it, actually, um, which is building a CNC control from scratch. Oh, crazy. 
Yeah. So I'm, I might have talked about it a little bit on the show previously because I was doing some of the like user interface stuff, like touchscreen stuff and, and so on. But now I'm actually doing the like hardcore, um, you know, controlling the, the servos uh, motion control stuff. And that has been really, really fun. Um, yeah, a really nice break. So what, what's involved in that? It sounds heavy duty. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, th- there's lots of like, you know, kind of inexpensive-ish, relatively accessible CNC controls out there. There's like Gerbil, Linux CNC, Centroid, um, you know. The, the issue for me is that the ones that are really inexpensive, like Gerbil, um, they're designed to run on very inexpensive hardware, which means that the hardware is not high performance. You know, it's like a little Arduino, like a little tiny microcontroller. Mm-hmm. And because it's low performance, then they have to do like a lot of tricks to make it perform okay. You know, so if you actually try and read the code for Gerbil, it's... So imagine if like somebody shortened every word in the dictionary to like two letters and then wrote you a book in it. You know, like kind of gets the idea across, but it's so hard to read, you know. And, And the reason that the code is like that is because it's been really highly optimized. You know, they've had to use every trick in the book to make it to make it work. Gotcha. Um, and then the other end of the scale is something like Linux CNC, which is what Tormac uses. You know, it's, it's like infinitely configurable. Um, so, so much so that it's it's so vast that like getting stuck in and actually configuring it is very daunting. And if you want to do anything custom with it, or if you wanted to like contribute to the project and make an improvement or something, again, it's like super daunting. You have to have, a, um, you know, a pretty wide and deep knowledge base to be able to even just kind of get your, your toes wet. Hmm. Um, so what I've doing is building out the system in discrete modules. Um, so the, the CNC, the actual like motion control thing that I'm building at the moment, it doesn't know anything about G-code. doesn't know anything about tool offsets or work offsets. It doesn't even know inches versus millimeters. All it knows is, you know, pulses in one direction, pulses in the other direction, and then like accelerations and decelerations. Um, and that means that I can build a very performance system that's very easy to understand. You know, it's, it's as it stands, it's only like 150 lines of code or something. Um, you know, so it's like a, a single piece of paper would contain most of the source code for the, that part of the system. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it means that it's very approachable, you know, and also I'm using, um, more up-to-date hardware. So the microcontroller that I'm using is, um, essentially the same kind of CPU that you would find in like your cell phone. Like it's pretty powerful. It's an ARM Cortex M7 running at 600 megahertz for the nerds out there. Whereas an nerds. Arduino runs at like 16 megahertz. So you're talking like a hundred times faster, you know, potentially more. Um, so yeah, it's super exciting. I, I think I'm going to be like making real hardware move for the first time tomorrow. Just so what are you going to do cool. with it? What CNC um, are you going to control? You're such a control freak. (laughs) I know. know. Well, I mean, what CNC aren't I going to control with it? Like, you know, the idea with the system is that it could end up controlling my Fidals as a retrofit. 
Um, it would be suitable to, you know, small routers for other people to use. Um, is you know, like it, an open source thing that you just put out on the internet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am trying to think about how to reach that goal, though, because obviously it's going to be like quite a lot of work to get there and I'm going to need to buy like hardware to test it on and so on. So one thing I'm I'm kind of curious what our listeners think about this. Like I'd be very interested in getting some feedback. You know, one thing I'm thinking about doing is doing it as a Kickstarter. Cool. So like, you know, you would you would buy in to help support the development of this system. And then at the end of it, you would get um, access to very inexpensive, customizable and open source hardware and software. Um, so yeah, I mean, one of the things too is that like, so the, the low end stuff like Gerbil it has very real limitations in terms of performance. The high end stuff like Linux CNC is inexpensive up to a point. If you want the, the like really good performance out of it, you end up having to buy, um, like some pretty expensive kind of custom electronics hardware, you know, hundreds of dollars kind of range. Um, and this will be the idea with this system is that it'll be high performance without the crazy cost. So, well, crazy, the higher cost. It's not that crazy. Right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It'll see. But it's, it's just something I've wanted to do. I like super passionate about this, super excited about it. It's something I've wanted to do for years. So I'm just really glad that it's, you know, happening. Congratulations. When, you, when did you say you're starting on it? When, when did I start on it? You did start on it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's in progress. Okay, all right. Yeah, so this is this is what Aaron time is. <laughs> yes, I Aaron time is gonna, when I get to do fun projects. All right, I thought you were gonna like you know relax or something. I don't know, man. Change of pace is pretty relaxing. Cool, cool. All right. Yeah. What are you gonna call so, it? Uh, that's a secret. For real? Do you have an yeah. name? Yeah, kind of. We'll we'll see. It's a secret for now. Okay. Tell me off air. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. yeah, apart from that, it's been... Oh, I found out the other day my the building that my workshop is in got bought by no, the city. really? By the city? Yeah. yeah, it got expropriated as part of the Metrolinx project. So, so they're building like a subway through the... A new subway line through the city. And um, yeah, building got uh, requisitioned as part of that. Does that mean they're going to tear it down? Um, so they're taking it over and they said for the moment that they're going to be continuing all leases, everything's going to be administered exactly the same way that it was. So I believe that like leaseholders should be still in place for the next like three years, something like that. And then after that, it's anybody's guess. Like it might be that they, you know, they turn it into like a maintenance building or that they just demolish it and put something else there. I can't believe that. That place is an institution. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah, so I literally just recommended a friend uh rent there because I was because I figured it was very stable. <laughs> well, yeah, I it was. This it's been is, very like, stable for 36 years. It's an entire city block. Yes. It's yeah, huge. Yeah. And it's like one of the only places like that in Toronto. Mm-hmm. We're really telling people how to find my workshop, aren't we? I mean, I'll give them the address. Reach out to me. <laughs> DM me. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, like, um, so yeah, that was a bit surprising. I just got this email saying like, sign this or be in danger of losing your lease. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Um, how can they? I mean, I've heard of this before, but like, were 
did like the actual building owners have any say? Uh, in this case, they did. Um, he like basically chose to sell out, but he. Uh, my understanding from talking to him is that he was basically like, "Well, I'm reading the writing on the wall. You know, if I don't like get them to make me a sweet deal now, they're going to make me like a a hard deal later." You know, crazy. Yeah, because I. I mean, I moved into this neighborhood. I mean, coming up on ten years ago, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, or seven, eight years ago. And that that's when they started talking about putting in a subway line right there. Right. For anybody who doesn't know, Toronto's subway is like pretty meh. It's two, <laughs> it's two lines. It's like a big U and then it goes then one straight line across from east right. to west. And it's pretty basic. So it definitely the city could use more subway stops. Well, and the funny thing is I was talking to a friend about about this the other day and, and he's kind of tied in politically um, like he's helped run several campaigns for like mayoral campaigns and stuff and he was like well hopefully Metrolinx gets canceled next year anyway and oh. i was like what do you mean like they 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 just spent like god knows how much it's probably like 30 40 million dollars uh, to buy to this be. building yeah you know? i mean honestly they could develop that into like five condos yeah yeah, yeah. And then he's like, well, hopefully it'll get canceled anyway. I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, it's kind of crazy sometimes when you think about the the inefficiencies of that. You know, someone starts a project and then five oh, years later, yeah. someone decides like, ah, we don't we well, don't want that project anymore. Yeah. My my, my uh, sister-in-law used to work in politics and like every time, like her, every time there was an election, her job was up for. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like that's why they all go out and they like campaigning so hard. It's like their jobs are on the line. <laughs> Right. But yeah, like they yeah, some somebody's working on this for five years and then next administration's like, nope. Right. Well, and apparently what happened was the the management office, this guy just walked in one day and was like, Um, I need a hundred parking spaces. And they were like, We can't we can't do that. And he's like, Well, it's not really up to you. I need a hundred parking spaces. And they ended up requisitioning the entire parking lot of the building. And then after that, I believe the conversation started about like, okay, well, like, what are we going to do with the building now that we have no parking? You know, <laughs> like, right. So yeah, it's a bit, bit of a crazy, crazy thing. Damn. Wow. I'm good thing I was planning on moving anyway. Eh? True. Oh yeah, that's not a big. It's if anything, it's just to put a little bit of a, you know, clock on uh, on your plans. Yeah, it'll be fine. Apparently, if they if they want us to break our leases, they have to pay us at least six months worth of rent. Um, so if you got nowhere to go, six months of rent's not that helpful. That's true. I just put all my machines in a, under a top on the street corner. <laughs> yeah, in one of those parking spots. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, what else has been happening? I did see some uh, exciting 3D printer news this week. Um, I don't know if you've been keeping up with Prusa. But I they... heard that they've an- announced a big fancy printer that they're yeah. taking pre-orders on. They they are they, yeah so it's called the Prusa XL and it has a build volume of fourteen inches cubed. Okay, um, yeah. so it's it's a big boy, um, and it has tool changing. What? Yeah, so it can it can have um, five three D printer heads, each with a different filament, different color, or a different type, and change between them. Um, and they've said that they're probably going to introduce some like milling heads and stuff too. So you can oh, do like machining on the plastic. Crazy. After you've laid it down. That rules. Yeah. 
Is, so there, a, it's, is there like a photo or a, a, a um, rendering of it? Yeah, yeah. It's, there's like video of it running. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. no, so no, I haven't looked into this that much. <laughs> yeah, so if you look on the, the Prusa web, um, YouTube channel, so P-R-U-S-A, Prusa, um, then yeah, they've got like a whole launch video. And it looks like it starts at around two grand, um, which is expensive, but it's also a very big printer. There are very few printers that are that size. So yeah, that's not a bad price. What is, but what's the, one of their inexpensive ones go for? Um, they're like middle of the road. One is about a thousand dollars. Um, and this is all Canadian. I can't remember whether it's Canadian or U.S. pricing. Okay, Let's so two grand's not bad. I thought it would yeah, be more. I, yeah, it's pretty decent. I think. Um, they just they have nice stuff, man. Like now, whenever somebody like is like, oh, I I need a three D printer that'll just work. I'm like, just buy a Prusa. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's lots of other cheaper stuff out there, but you don't get that whole ecosystem of stuff that just kind of ties together. Yeah, what did you say it was called again? Prusa. The Prusa XL. XL. Got it. Ah, I'm looking at it. Cool. Sexy, right? Two grand. Yeah, it looks pretty stout. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, one, Apart two, from that, or there five hasn't been. Minutes. Yeah, it's very cool, the little mechanism. It has like a little kind of a clip mechanism. So it like runs the tool head onto like a little um, holder at the back of the machine, then kind of unclips itself from the tool head and then goes and picks up another one. Badass, yeah. 2,500 bucks uh, fully assembled. Mm-hmm. Neat. Um, yeah, apart from that, like I, I mean, I personally haven't been up to a, a huge amount, but I have been keeping my eye on some space news you don't say yeah um there's actually one really cool mission going on at the moment called dart which is a giant humanities uh, is, it's, yeah it's literally a giant dart we're just yeah. launching a giant dart it's gonna be yearled into space yearled <laughs> yeeted yeeted I believe is the word you're looking for <laughs> why really not up with the cool kids huh <laughs> um yeah i mean you just ruined my entire bit for real? It's a dart. Yeah. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, so DART is a Nash, NASA mission, um, and it is humanity's first test of an actual asteroid defense system. Ooh. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if they're developing that, that means we're in danger. <laughs> There's an asteroid, it's coming. Everyone, everyone us. calm down. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Let me give the soothing voice. It's okay. Um yeah, so they're not going to be like blowing up an asteroid. Basically, when you run something into an asteroid, because it's out in space, you know, six million kilometers away, it's actually really hard to work out whether or not you moved it at all. You know, and if you did move it by how much and in what direction, right? So there is a an asteroid that goes through the solar system on a kind of a repetitive course. It comes somewhat near Earth, but not dangerously close and i think it's called didymus if i remember correctly but it's actually a pair so this little this asteroid actually has like a little moon another asteroid that orbits around it so what they realized they could do is because these two asteroids are so close together if they hit the little one with something then they are able to measure how they affect its trajectory by 
how it moves in relation to the bigger one. Of course. Right? So rather than having to make a, a measurement across 6 million kilometers, they only have to make a measurement across a couple of kilometers, 6 million kilometers away. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that's a lot easier, you know, because they have like a frame of a reference point, basically. Sure. That's um, cool. Yeah, so they're basically going to ram this little asteroid with a 600 kilogram satellite going six kilometers per second. Um, and then because, you know, like we know that asteroids are out there, but we've we've never had like a person land on an asteroid. We've never had one in front of us to look at it. We really don't know necessarily what they're made up of. You know, most asteroids are actually just piles of rubble that are being held together by their like weak gravity. You're saying asteroids never hit Earth, though? No, asteroids have hit Earth. Right. But like once they've hit Earth, we don't get to like have a look and see what they were like in space. Oh, okay. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, there are some asteroids that are just a big chunk of iron uh, floating around in the sky. That's great. But a lot of asteroids are actually like a mix of like iron and rock and water. You know, it might just be like a a giant cloud of pebbles, basically. Right. You know, not even really a solid thing at all. So they're trying to work out, you know, they think this asteroid is a certain way. Is it actually that way? Like, do their observations match up? And then what happens if you smash a thing into it to try and redirect it? Does it, you know, just, does it, just, does the satellite just go right through because it's a big cloud of dust or what, what happens, you know? So yeah, it's super interesting that we're actually going to like smash some rocks together out in space. Crazy. Well, so is the satellite going to be designed to, you know, have a big trampoline on the front of it? <laughs> no, it's uh, just going to go bang. <laughs> is it like got like, you know, like a, a big flat metal sheet or is it like when I picture actually, a satellite, I picture like, I don't know, Sputnik. Right. It, it has really big solar panels coming out the side and then a, like a little kind of um, a cylindrical body in the middle. The solar panels are huge. They're like 30 meters long each, you know, um, it looks, it looks like very, tie, looks like a TIE fighter. <laughs> Uh, no, you're an idiot. It looks like <laughs> uh, looks like a cylinder with with big sticks out the side. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't look very fancy. It, it it doesn't look like you know a missile. You're not like looking at it and being like, oh yeah, that's gonna fuck up that asteroid. It's it's like we're just smashing a regular satellite into an asteroid. But it's really just about putting energy into the asteroid and working out what happens, like getting to observe what happens after. Right. So it's not imperative that this asteroid gets moved. Uh, no, no, the no. Safety yeah. of earth. It is 100% going to miss earth. They know that for sure. It's nice. just that it's close enough for us to observe it easily. And we have that point of reference because it's like a, a binary asteroid. Right. Um, but that's super cool. We're going to like launch something into space and then smash it into a big rock. I mean, it, it's both high tech and very kind of primal at the same time. It's totally, really cool. yeah, very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, I love smashing rocks together. I don't know about sure, you. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited to see. I don't actually the first know knives were just rocks smashed together. That's very true. Yeah, maybe that's why you like it so much. <laughs> I don't. I'm just gonna look up when that is actually supposed to hit. Uh, oh, this is already like happening. it's been launched. Yeah, okay. it got launched. Uh, Impact date, 26th of September, 2022. Oh, geez. Put it in your calendar. We've got a while to wait. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were busy that night. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what night is it again? Yeah, I can't. Sorry. Um, yeah, it should be cool though. There's another little uh, satellite that they're going to launch. I'm not 100 sure whether. I think it's actually getting launched out of like the back of the the main satellite, and then it's going to fly past and like deliberately miss and watch the main event, and then oh, like nice. send back footage of it to to Earth. That rules. Yeah, so we'll get to hopefully see some you know like nice 4K rock smashing. That'll be satisfying. Tilly. Sorry, my dog is chasing my cat around. I was going to say. Tilly, come here. I predict that that satellite is going to smash into that asteroid, redirect it. It's going to redirect it into some alien planet. And then that's (laughs) going to be a act of war. And then they're going to come and get us. Well, I did think about this, actually. I was like, okay, so if it is actually just a big rubble pile, and it, it, this is an asteroid that's kind of coming close to Earth anyway. What happens if we accidentally like redirect it into Earth? Are we going to extinctify ourselves? Is there like a um, a plan B? Say the the asteroid or the um, satellite gets close to the asteroid, mm-hmm. and they determine, oh, this isn't actually such a great idea for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> Can they change course? Oh, yeah, for sure. It'll have okay. maneuvering thrusters on it. Because, I mean, they're they're having to aim at this thing anyway. It's like how many millions of kilometers away. You can't you can't really just, like, shoot a gun at it and know you're going to hit it. They're going to have to make adjustments. True. Dumb question Sorry. is what you're saying. Yeah, you're a big dummy. <laughs> yeah, it should be it should be cool, though, man. It's as I said, it's very primal to just whack one thing into another thing in space. <laughs> True. Not in space. I mean, in space, that's kind of unusual. But in general, kind of primal, yeah. <laughs> there was actually, I, I don't remember what the mission was called or anything, but they did do this once previously on the moon. They actually dropped some satellites or something onto the moon, basically to do... um I don't know if you've ever seen that thing where they like set off an explosion on the ground and then they use the echo of the explosion, almost like an ultrasound to kind of map what's under the surface. Hmm. So they did this in like when they're mining and, you know, mineral exploration, that kind of stuff. They basically did it with the moon. They like landed. I think they had like a reflector on the moon and then they bounced a laser off their reflector and back to earth. And then they hit the moon with like a, a satellite and, you know, listen to the ring. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. What'd they find? No idea. Cheese. True. <laughs> it's made of cheese. <laughs> That's what they don't want us to know. Uh, yeah. The global global cheese glut. The, the price <laughs> would go to zero. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's all about keeping supply and demand uh, in order. <laughs> uh, apart from that, there hasn't been a whole lot going on because the... The you know things with Starship and Starbase are and SpaceX are a bit slow at the moment. I mean they're still doing launches with their Falcon rockets and stuff, but that miracle is very boring these days because <laughs> it just it just happens. It just works every time. It's you know can't get more boring than that, right? Yeah, you you want some uh, explosions, exactly. So that's and why you- we're gonna see those with Starship when they're testing. Oh yeah, testing some stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. There's gonna be some bangs. Um. 
And I, but the reason that nothing has really been happening with Starship in the last couple of months is because they've been doing like an environmental assessment around right. the the Federal Aviation, whatever FAA has been doing um, an environmental assessment. Mm-hmm. But apparently that's pretty close to wrapping up. So early next year we should be seeing a bunch of Starship launches. All right. Yeah. So I'm super excited about Clear that. Clear your schedule. Absolutely. I really. I, it is absolutely on my bucket list to go and see a, a launch of any rocket, but I think Starship would be coolest to go and see one live. Yeah. How you know, uh, unrealistic person. is that? No, it's not unrealistic at all, to be honest. Like, um, you know, if you're in Texas, when you know, like a star Starship launches or a Starship test is going to happen, you can literally just go and like sit on a hill, just drive there and watch it. True. Um, but the problem is because they are test launches, there's like a 50% chance that they're going to get the countdown down to like, you know, five seconds and then be like, oh, something went wrong. Right. <laughs> We're going to reschedule to next week, you know, and then you're just like, oh, shit. Now you're just in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <so laughs> go get some barbecue. That's not so bad. No. There you go. Perfect. So, but yeah, definitely on the bucket list. Like seeing, especially because the when Starship launches, it's going to be the largest rocket that we've ever launched. Um, and the largest rocket that's launched in in a while by like a significant margin. So that, that's going to be like a, a thing to behold, you know? True. Yeah, it'd probably be a wicked thing to see live because of the scale. Well, and just, I, I so um, in Toronto, they have an air show pretty much every year, I think. But I remember I was at the air show one year, camped out on the, the front of the lakeshore watching the air show, and they had an F-22, which is uh, one of America's like kind of, best fighter jets newest fighter jets and it went over the top of us and then went straight vertical on on like full afterburners you know climbing as hard as it could and it just sounded like it sounded like the sky was splitting open it was i've i've never experienced anything like it before or since it was just this like nothing else existed except for this noise wow you know and i think that a, a rocket would be like that times 10 totally I wonder if it would be like the same because like, I don't know. Um, okay, this is going to sound dumb. They always look like they're going <laughs> so fucking slow <laughs> when they're getting into the sky. The rock, okay. they, one of those um, jet planes, they look like they're going fast. That is that is true. That is true. So, you know, have you ever you've seen like videos of sp- uh, rocket launches and stuff? And they're always like spraying water on the concrete around the launch pad. Yeah. Do you know why they do that? You know, I think you've mentioned it before, but it it bears mentioning again. It's so fucking cool. The reason they do that is because the sound from the rocket is so loud that it would disintegrate the concrete and potentially reflect and and damage the rocket itself. So they they spray this water on. It's called the deluge system to uh, you know absorb a huge part of or as much as they can of of that sound pressure of all of those vibrations. Right. Um. Like you're literally talking about like sound destroying concrete and rockets. Like that's pretty fucking loud. Sound is powerful. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I can see it. We've transitioned into the uh, the high podcast now. Sound is sound is crazy. powerful, man. Yeah, man. This dog barked at me the other day. I was like, oh, that's crazy. Oh, so what's with loud. the harsh vibes, man? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's pretty much all the space stuff that I have to talk about. It's I actually one other thing I have on my list right here 
I I don't know, man. I feel kind of bad shitting on Blue Origin, but at the same time, there I feel like the Blue Origin suing NASA and SpaceX because they were like pissy that they didn't get the contract to go to the moon. Like they literally just set the whole mission back like six months, cost <laughs> everyone a bunch of money, and achieved nothing. You know, and did they anyway. win or lose? They lost, lost. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they lost. Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, they were lobbying this whole time as well. So I believe that Congress like directed NASA to procure a second option to to go to the moon, but then didn't give them any extra money. (laughs) Right. You know, so just just do it anyway. But um, there was a bunch of uh, Blue Origin emails, like internal emails that leaked and the the subject of the leaked emails was an external review of their management practices versus SpaceX and why Blue Origin isn't competitive against SpaceX. Oh, interesting. And there was some really juicy stuff in there. <laughs> who do who are they blaming? Themselves, like they were being pretty pretty uh forthright about it i think it was kind of like you know an external management company came in and did like a consultation or or something like that right but yeah it was it's very interesting though from a a business perspective to read through the outcomes and it really was just like we're not being aggressive enough we're not you know like at, at spacex cost is talked about all the time you know, it's like, yeah, we can do this thing and it'll be 1% better, but it costs 10% more. And that's just like, no, fuck that. You know, we're not going to not going to do that. Whereas it, it seems like at Blue Origin, it's like you you always do the best thing, even if it costs double. Right. Right. And and it seems like stuff like that, those little kind of biases have added up to really get in their way. Like it's exorbitantly expensive or they're just it takes longer. Both, <laughs> really, really both. But yeah, it's a if you're in, like I know that you are interested in in that kind of like you know business management lessons. Um, there's definitely some good stuff in there. Uh, throwing oh money, at, God. throwing money at the problem isn't always a, a good solution. So wow, what is going on over there? <laughs> is your cat in heat? No, my cat's very vocal. He's a big cat. He's a Maine Coon. And my dog doesn't doesn't understand that uh, no means no. Well, good for your cat. <laughs> the dog was like, just just he, she just wants to be friends. She's trying to lick him, and right. uh, the cat does not like that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, rockets and cats. Every, everyone's getting a bit of everything today. Um, uh, yeah, more cat talk. That's that's cat my talk. feedback. Cat talk. We should do that for April Fools next year. <laughs> Cat talk. Yeah. Damn, we gave away our our ideas. Yeah. So I, what else? I saw on your list that it says a, your uh, Plato destroyed a bunch of parts. Mm-hmm. What the hell? So I know that you send parts out for nickel plating, and you're saying that they like destroyed your parts during plating. Unusable. Like, so it wasn't during the plating wow. process. We we made now they should have been uh, like the, we should have dis- disclosed this to them. But basically, they were machined on the sides and the surface. The underside was also okay. machined, but that was going to be against the guitar. So it was, we just left the machine surface right. the way it was. We didn't polish it, 
every other surface was polished. Oh. And they were like, oh, these guys nice. forgot to polish the underside. So they take it to their 3,600 RPM buffer with super heavy compound, polish the bottom of this, um, you know, uh, oh. 3D machine surface and just flattened it. Rounded oh, everything over. So then when we went to go put it on the guitar, the guitar has, you know, a contoured top, an arched top. Right. It just was not, you know, it was not f- form fitting. Right. So in these, they were just a pain to make and pain to polish. Uh, uh, that's so, that, I always get so sad when you hear something like that. And it's like, a, you know, a one minute phone call. Yes. From them yeah. Would have changed. Saved everybody so many problems. So in so I had to remake these parts, which was it, they were expensive to make, they were time consuming to make. Right. To, you know, they had to be polished really nicely. Uh, and then we took them back to them, and then we just told them that, and then they came back fine. Right. So it was like, but they they should have asked. Yes. You don't like refinish someone's parts without. It's asking. so obvious that we ob- we obviously made sure every surface that was going to be exposed. Yeah, that you know had been polished, oh, and this rough. underside was clearly a machine surface, so it was just kind of mind blowing to me. Um, <laughs> but so was, did they give you any recompense, or was it just like, no, oh, oh, sorry, not even worth it? You know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, dude, I I need the parts, and they're closing their shop down, so it's like, right, <laughs> yeah, don't kick them while they're down, I guess. Yeah, and you know, I need them. I need them to plate the next parts because it was getting actually chrome plated, and the new mm. plater that we're going to doesn't do chrome. They do nickel. They do gold. They do rhodium, which is like platinum. Ooh, and they do silver. Right, no chrome. I thought you said sulfur. Then I was like, sulfur, sulfur. They stink. Yeah, who would <laughs> want a sulfur plated guitar? Um. Yeah, so are you going to find another place that does chrome or No, we're just not going to offer chrome. I mean, nickel is is the 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 standard in the guitar world. Right. I like the look of nickel better. It's not as blue. Yeah. Uh Yeah, it's more yellow, right? Yeah, it's warm. So we will just that's just a new thing that we're just going to say. I mean, yeah, we have so much customization. I I don't feel bad removing an option here and there. Yeah, that's fair. Especially not when it's like painful, you know. It sounds like your new plating guys are really good. So. Yeah, they're they're good. They're a little like difficult to deal with in terms of like uh, accounting. Oh, they don't take credit cards. They want us to like tell them how much business we're going to be giving them, which oh. I guess is fair. But it's because they do small things. They're used to doing a lot of volume. And we're right, not doing right. a lot of volume. We're on the bigger side for what they do. You know, our parts are still small, but it's just like mm. they're they're getting familiar with us, and it's not a comfortable um, break in period. Gotcha. Yeah, with the the company that does my DLC for years, I was like, "Can you guys please accept some form of electronic payment? Like, I want to pay you within minutes of getting your invoice, right? You know." And they're like, "No, just mail us a check." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hate that because I don't know when the check's going to come out of my bank account. You know, like I'm not normally running so thin that it would be an issue. But if I'm just like looking at my accounts thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm in a good shape. And then all of a sudden there's like, you know, two two grand comes out. I'm like, ah, crap. You know, like I just I want an invoice to come in. I want to pay it and I want to forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. 
And they finally, after I badgered them for so long, I'm literally sending Interact e-transfers to the owner of the company. now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've had to do with these people um, right. as well, which is a pain for us because we don't have that. Our banking, like our business bank, banking doesn't have that. What? Yeah. What Stone Age bank are you with? Yeah. Anyways, it's like <laughs> name and shame. Name <laughs> and shame. Um, <laughs> it's just the way our business is set up. It's not so much the bank, right. um, but uh, yeah. So then I just like e-transfer them myself, and then make a you know, right? Yeah, that's painful. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I was I thought you were going to say that they left it in like the etching etching bath for too long and like ate them away or oh. something. <laughs> no, they just ate them away on the buffing wheel. Yeah, it's kind of worse that way because at least the other way it would have been like, oh, you know, we forgot or the chemicals were wrong or, you know, some sort of late negligence. Whereas this way it's like, yeah, he we worked. chose, he we chose to do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was hard work making it this shit. <laughs> Fucking I made it up. really shiny for you. Like, yeah, it was oh, awfully no. shiny. Oh, uh, that's rough. Actually, that's not even the first time that's ever happened with them. They're not delicate. Not de- They're doing car parts and stuff and right, right. random stuff here and there. You just, you know, you've got to lay out the, the instructions for them. So ultimately, we've had that experience, so we should have learned from that. Yeah, it's interesting. Almost everybody that I talk to, well, actually, not almost everybody, everybody that I talk to about anodizing, plating, um, spraying, you know, any kind of finishing process, everybody has horror stories. Yeah, it's always the biggest you know, variable, without yeah. a doubt. yeah. It's kind of nuts, actually, that it's not just like, like, really? Like, this is, this is like literally what it says on the sign. Like, we do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, even yeah, so yeah. It, in our own business, we do, we finish our guitars. We yep. spray them and we paint them. It's still the most, the biggest variable. It is it, spraying, particularly the kind of spraying you guys are doing is very finicky process. It's like. It's like spray spray painting a car, you know. Like, very I, much I, like I, that. Yeah, I was watching a. Um, I, I tend to watch like a lot of like YouTube and Netflix and shit when I'm working at the shop, especially when I'm like hand sanding or whatever. I was watching like a, a show where they're making custom cars, and I was looking at their spray like their paint jobs, and I was like, they haven't even like wet sanded that. They haven't even like yeah cut and polished it at all. You know, like uh, it just looked like crap and then you know the paint jobs that you guys are doing on a on a very complicated surface it's yeah it's a lot of work well some people do that to cars and that's nuts oh yeah absolutely nuts to me like i mean if you look at my you know i've got a car and that wasn't it's all it's all orange peely you know that wasn't uh sanded wet sanded and polished no, I mean, it's actually interesting. A lot of um, the car companies do a very good job of not having orange peel in their finish, despite there being like no finishing operations. Right. I mean, mine is not that orange peel. It's it's quite a flat f- finish for being off of right. a gun. Yeah, they've definitely right. got their shit dialed in. And a lot of them are like, uh, what is it? Where they, they do a negative charge on the electrostatic, yeah, yeah. the car, yeah, and yeah. The positive charge on the, the lacquer. Yeah, and they're using like HVLP, so they're applying a lot of paint, um, you know, and the electrostatic, and then yeah, and then special just, formulas to make it like paint chemistry is a, is a whole thing. 
Yeah, pain, yeah, pain chemistry. Cool. My uncle used to tell, told me the story once about how his college roommate's dad was a paint chemist and mm. gave them some paint to try out, and it never dried. They painted their whole, all, like their whole living room with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the guy was just fucking with them, but uh, this will teach him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Amazing. Paint, paint chemistry is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, finish is something we we talk about here constantly. It's something we're always trying to improve. Uh, just because it's such a it's such a challenging thing. Well, my my CNC controller could help you guys build a uh, paint finishing robot. Yeah, they're out there. I mean, that's that's not a, a wild idea, is what I mean. Oh yeah, there's tons of paint robots out there like that in the automotive industry in particular. That's like For sure, very common, and, yeah. and in the guitar factories, you know. Really? Oh yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, well, on that note, I think we're we've got to let you go for the day, don't we? Do me, or are you talking to our listeners? Both, mm. both. I'm sick of hearing your voice, and uh, this is about all I can stand of you for one week. So, oh, yeah, you you lasted longer than I thought you would. <laughs> yeah, lovely speaking with you as always, mate. Lovely uh, talking to everybody. I really want to hear some feedback on what people think I should do with this CNC controller. Should I? release it open source should i charge people through the nose for it should i do a kickstarter i'm kind of leaning toward doing the kickstarter and then like i mean if, it, if it's going to help you make the product or it better and there's a market for it people are gonna are wanting it yeah uh, no harm well i mean we'll the see. whole thing about kickstarter is it's it's sort of uh, uh low stakes right yeah that's very true so yeah it'll be Interesting. But anyway, I'm just like super hyped at the moment working on this. I, as I said, I think I'm going to be making actual hardware move tomorrow. So fingers crossed. That rules, dude. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right, we'll check back in in two weeks. Sounds great. So yeah, on that note, we'll speak to you all again soon. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.